This is Beth Butler, and thank you for listening to From the Ground Up, where we chat with people in and around the real estate industry. I have been in the real estate business for 35 years, and much of my experience has been about building the business from the ground up. And I'm pleased to share some of the people who I've met along the way and who have helped me build in this podcast. Today, we welcome Holly Meyer Lucas on being a super mom and super realtor to From the Ground Up. Here's a little bit about Holly. Holly Meyer Lucas is a top producing real estate specialist and nationally recognized industry leader in the sports and entertainment real estate space. Based in the Jupiter and Palm Beach area, Holly and her team of agents run a high volume business with specialized market knowledge and expertise that is second to none. She is a high energy businesswoman whose sharp business acumen resonates with her clients. Her notable national realtor network includes Compass Sports and Entertainment Network, as well as a wide range of resources in the luxury real estate industry. Holly has represented over 100 real estate transactions involving professional athletes in the Jupiter, Palm Beach, and Treasure Coast areas over the last several years. As the wife of a former Major League Baseball player and current baseball coach, Holly has an intimate understanding of the high stakes and quick turnarounds needed for professional athletes in the Jupiter and Palm Beach area and is often featured on local and national news media outlets discussing best practices when working with athletes and entertainers, as well as various real estate-related news stories. Holly is also a tech-savvy marketer that ensures her clients who are willing to sell their properties have a strategic online presence through targeted social media and website placement and the consistent monitoring of web traffic and analytics. While Holly's personal focus is on the luxury market in Jupiter, Palm Beach, and the Treasure Coast areas, she and her team will assist clientele ranging from first-time homebuyers to those searching for the ultimate waterfront luxury estates. Holly earned her Bachelor of Arts degree in German Literature and Business from the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. She is originally from Munich, Germany. Holly has lived in many places before settling with her husband and now three boys in Jupiter. She is the founder of a nonprofit called Cupboard Cleanout, which has donated thousands of unopened, unused, non-perishable food items back to the Jupiter community over the, over the last few years. In addition to running a successful business and her community leadership, Holly also maintains an active lifestyle through her participation in an adult soccer league and occasionally runs in a marathon and is a frequent skier. She is fluent in English and German. Please welcome to From the Ground Up, Holly Meyer-Lucas. So Holly, how did you get into real estate? I feel like I've been in real estate like my whole life. Like I moved around a lot when I was little and I feel like I was always involved, whether it was me like injecting myself into my parents' moves or not. Um, But I constantly was, you know, looking for homes and looking at neighborhoods and different areas. And this was like in the infancy of the internet, right? Um, but the way I really got into real estate was, uh, my husband, so boyfriend at the time, um, now husband, uh, had been called up to the big leagues. He plays baseball and, um, he was called up to the big leagues and I was pregnant at the time. So I couldn't really work my full-time healthcare job anymore. And, um, it was the natural pivot to, uh, to jump into real estate at that point. 
Well, that's good. So we have so many things to cover here because you've got so many facets to your business and your personal life. But I want to start just by talking about sports and entertainment. You work with a lot of baseball players. Why don't you talk about what that looks like, how you got into it, and we'll take it from there. Yeah. So I, when I first got into real estate, I thought for sure my niche was going to be working with um, with Europeans. So I grew up in Germany and um, I thought I was going to like utilize the fact that I speak German and that was going to be my thing. But it ended up being that my personal sphere are professional athletes and their families, uh, particularly the baseball wives. And so I live in an area, so I'm in Jupiter, Florida, where we are a hub for professional athletes and their families, particularly the rotational sports. So golf, tennis, and baseball. Uh, there are two major training facilities here for the professional baseball players in particular, um, or once for golf, once for baseball. And um, so it attracts a ton of, of professional baseball families. The salt tax situation has helped us with that too. So I just have become this natural catch-all for the baseball families because I've lived in that world. It's something that is really hard to break into if you don't have a natural in. Um, and so I, you know, had the, the natural in being that all these girls were, you know, my friends initially. So the sports and entertainment stuff, it's a lot of, it's a lot of rentals, um, you know, people coming here short term, feeling out the water, whether or not they want to stay here. And, um, and then, you know, ultimately it leads to investment properties and, and, um, and sales. Really, it started out that you got into sports and entertainment and working with baseball players because it was your sphere, right? You were, you have a husband in the baseball business. You were hanging around with other baseball players and their families. And that kind of, it was your sphere of influence. So it became your sphere. But for somebody that doesn't have that sphere, let's start there and just say, with regard to Compass Sports and Entertainment specifically, what are the requirements to get in? I do know that the requirements are, that they are tough, um, that you do have to basically have a proven track record of working with professional athletes or entertainers. If you're trying to break into the sports and entertainment space, what I always say is you have to start with the people who have the relationships with these athletes. Like you're never going to slide into a player's DMs and sell him a house. Well, you have to start with their agents, their financial advisors, their business managers, and build the relationship. Like if you're valuable to someone, and this is true for any industry, for any any vertical, any niche, anything, if you provide value, then people will take you seriously and want to put their clients in front of you. It's 15 transactions. So in order to apply, and they've tried to, you know, as the company's grown, right, they've tried to put a little bit more guardrails around uh, how to get into this and what qualifies a sports and entertainment professional. So it's, you have to have transacted 15 transactions with a sports figure or an entertainment figure in order to qualify to be considered for entrance. So anybody that hasn't reached that first 15 transaction threshold is um, not, doesn't meet the basic requirement to get in. So I think that that's, that's how it starts. So if that's what somebody's looking to do, they've got to go out and do, like you said, connect with an agent, um, connect with a financial manager or somebody that's related to the athlete themselves and try and prove your worth there. And, and hopefully they can make introductions. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's honestly, it's, it's only about, so it's what I'm known for both, I mean, locally and nationally at this point, but it's really only, and I'm, I'm pretty aggressive about pointing this out. It's only about 30% of my actual business that 30% ends up driving the majority of that 70%, right? People see that I work with these athletes in the media or whatever. And then, you know, they think that that's cool for whatever reason, but, um, but any, anything where you're really niching down and, um, and you can, you can be an expert in anything. I tell new agents this all the time. Like 
if your dad was a plumber, focus on working with like that, make that your specialty, like your thing, like you're like the realtor that has all the answers for plumbing. If you come from a family, you know, an equestrian family, if you did horse stuff growing up, find the equestrian community. You can literally find a community, the vegan community, like you can become part of any community. You just have to be authentic and it has to be genuine. Like you're never going to break into any sphere if it's not who you actually are. Really great advice. And we'll talk a little bit more about the mommy groups, mommy bloggers in a little bit, because that's, I think, another great way to build a sphere. But but for now, let's kind of stick to sports entertainment. I know that spring training is your craziest time of year. So just talk about what that looks like from an insider's point of view that works with baseball players. February and March is like, I mean, I am running around like a chicken with my head cut off in an organized way. <laughs> um, so we get, so spring training for anyone that's not familiar with, with how baseball works, spring training is, is a six week period in February and March where basically the pitchers get their arms ready for the actual games during the season and, um, and the hitters get to see batting. So it's live games. They play every single day. They report. It's usually Valentine's day through April fool's day. So it's a, it's a long enough period where being in a hotel is annoying and they need these players and their families need furnished rentals. So in our area, uh, we added the Washington Nationals and the Houston Astros a few years ago, but it used to just be the Marlins and the Cardinals. So we now here, we have five teams. We have the Mets on top of that. So around this time of year, we're recording this in September. So around this time of year, I usually start getting the agents and financial advisors of these players reaching out to me, um, asking for short-term furnished rentals. And if you say short-term furnished rental to any realtor in South Florida, they immediately will want to have nothing to do with you because rentals are the biggest pain. Oh my God. Unless you know what you're doing and unless you eliminate the bottlenecks, the bottlenecks with those are, you know, HOAs and uh, finding the availability. And so I have all of these systems in place to be able to do that, but it certainly is not, it's a loss leader. It is the definition of a loss leader because they end up, you know, becoming sales or people see, you know, that I have all these athlete clients and they want to buy investment properties so they can rent to them. Um, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. We do usually between 50 and 70 of these spring training rentals every year. So if you think about it, that is 50 to 70 Wi-Fi codes, 50 to 70 dishwashers that might break, couches that need to be inspected for stains. I mean, it's like, it's a lot. Verifying that 50 bedrooms have king size beds. That's always the biggest thing. Player shows up and it's a queen size bed. Yeah. Not, not to mention that, like what you started to say at the top is that most of these properties are not listed. So you've just got this constant uh, prospecting going on to being able to line up inventory for when that starts. What is the ideal property just in case somebody might have something that's a good fit? What are baseball players looking for? Uh, the ideal, the perfect property is one that is upgraded to a level of things being fairly new. So if you have a property that has an older refrigerator, older dishwasher, dishwashers are always breaking for some reason. Um, older things they are not typically a fit, uh, allows pets, has king size beds, is in a location that is easy to access. So if it's behind a gate, a lot of people will call me from country clubs wanting to list their homes, thinking that athletes want to be in golf communities. And spring training is a total joke. You get up, I mean, my husband played for, gosh, 14 seasons. Uh, you get up at 5 a.m., you do everything at the field. You have to be at the field by 6, 7 o'clock. Then they're done by 5 p.m. And so the last thing in the world they want to do is golf. Being on the water is nice so that they can, it's more for the privacy so that they, their yard isn't like backing up someone else's house. 
But um, my point with the country club stuff is if there's a manned gate that creates just another conversation that these people have to have, you know, coming in and out of the gate every single day, it's very difficult to do a rental behind an HOA's back. I don't like renting properties that are in HOAs because, you know, that then creates an application. It creates another step. So the perfect property is like non-HOA, gated yard, uh, personal property has been removed from the house. That's another big thing. When we show up, I actually char- I've started charging landlords for this. If we show up and the place does not have um, the, cu- the cupboards cleaned out, the pantry cleaned out, the refrigerator cleaned out, then I will charge my rate, which is $250 an hour to clean it out. Well, I think that's good to point out because I think a lot of people that rent their house short term, right, will leave for the convenience because you've got constant turnaround. So they will leave a supply of condiments and spices and things like, you know, aluminum foil, plastic wrap, so that somebody coming to stay for a weekend doesn't have to really stock up on every essential you might need in the kitchen. So I think that's a good distinction to point out to people out there that might have a a property that they do a vacation rental for. Um, This is a longer stay, right? So what's the typical time frame for spring training? Yeah, pitchers and catchers uh, usually report around Valentine's Day. So, um, and then through April Fool's Day, but usually we have them come two weeks before or start the lease to make things easy for everybody. We have them start the lease February 1st through uh, March 30th. They have been lately, they've been creeping the MLB season up. Um, God, this year was a total disaster because we had like a thousand people that were waiting to hear what their marching orders were for COVID. Um, but yeah, usually, yeah, that's, so it's, it's two full months usually. And, and do you think that, um, this February we're going to be back to is, is that what you're counting on now? We're going to be back to where people are coming down and training in Jupiter? Yeah. So I don't know. And I feel like that's why I feel like my tone with, with this whole rental thing is kind of flat because I don't know. And last year created such a whirlwind for everybody. I mean, I was negotiating, getting people out of their leases and then extending them. And then it was last year was really, really rough. And this year I've had multiple conversations in the past week with, um, with agents, like the, the, uh, postseason is kind of shaken down right now. So, um, agents are starting to reach out asking, and I, I really don't know what this year is going to look like. They might shorten it. I mean, it's it's so fascinating what's what's happening right now across all sports. It'll be interesting to see what happens. So I guess we we stay tuned. Uh, maybe we'll have to have you back in the middle of uh, spring training. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But but I guess and this will just be the last question related to sports entertainment. Do you find that since so many of these athletes do come into Florida for spring training, that because of the you know homestead uh, tax laws, the benefits of establishing residency in Florida, plus its natural beauty advantages, weather. Do you find that many of those baseball players turn around to become buyers? 1000%. Yes. And right now we're seeing, I, there's this like triangle that exists between Texas, Tennessee, and Florida, um, Nashville being a hub, da- the Dallas area, um, Austin, Texas, and, uh, and Jupiter, Florida are like these hubs and Vegas too, to some degree are these hubs for professional athletes and people that work with professional athletes. So they're business managers, family offices, agents, they're all under the same like umbrella. And it's predominantly because of, of the state income tax situation. And with the salt tax, you know, you can't write your, I mean, you know, this you can't write your state and local tax off your federal anymore. So lots of these guys are getting marching orders from their financial advisor to make their homestead in South Florida. And us athlete families, we, I mean, my husband's in a front office now, he's not an athlete anymore, but we, 
the baseball community, like we congregate around each other. The golf community does the same thing. Uh, hockey community does too. And so we all live in this area because we're all here to some degree. Like it's very rare. This actually happened the other day where I met a baseball wife and I was like, very awkwardly, like, how have I never met you before? Like, how do we not know each other? Like, I know everybody and not, not me. Like, it's like everybody knows everybody in a good way because we all like lean on each other for, you know, for support and for, you know, Hey, a package just got delivered to my house. How can you run over there and let them, you know, it's, there's so much uh, support in our athlete community here. So I think that's one big reason too, why people are, are moving here. I think that you are one of the most effective and best agents when it comes to social media. You do put up inventory and property and just sold and whatever, but you also inject a lot of your, you and your team's personalities. I think that it's compelling to watch, right? It's, I'm not just seeing houses, but you have some nice listings. It's not just that, but it's also about you, about your life. And of course, just weave in the business and the personal. So let's just talk about like, what's your favorite platform? How do you decide what to post? And I'll just kind of let you take it from there. <laughs> well, first of all, it's a huge, huge compliment. I, um, you've said that before. And I really, I always appreciate it every time you say that, because I know you follow everybody too. And I will tell you the God's honest truth with, with our social media, it is, it is driven from a place of just being constantly inspired to share content and share our personality and just a passion for wanting to, to establish, you know, a narrative and, and share what we're doing. My team is so fun. Like that's the thing that I've always, the main criteria when I bring in a new agent is the person has to be easygoing, be able to make fun of themselves and be fun and, you know, smart and all the other things that come with it. But, but it looks like you're having fun, right? So that yeah. that's also the thing, right? That personality comes through in your post, right? They're funny. You laugh at yourself. They're self-deprecating. They're entertaining. But it also just looks like it's just fun. Like people should be having fun, right? We live in Florida. We're selling real estate. It should be. It's not always fun. But there is a good amount of fun in what we do every day. Yes, 100%. We're realtors. Like we are realtors. At the end of the day, what we do is we listen to what people want in their home and then we go and we find it with them. And the, the operative phrase there is with them, right? So they have to be able to open up to us about why they want double, you know, double sinks in the, in the master bedroom, why they want walk-in closets, why they prefer their master bedroom upstairs. Like these are intimate details of, of people's lives. And one thing that is, um, you'll appreciate this. So uh, people say to me occasionally when they see that I have this team full of women, the feedback will be, um, oh, I'm sure, you know, men love that. And the joke of the matter is that I would say 90% of our clients are actually, they actually come to us from the female. So my entire modus operandum with social media is to make the women feel like they want to be friends with us. And it's not like, you know, like I'm not like, like selling, you know, like that makes it sound like I'm like trying to do some kind of voodoo, like make you be my friend, but it's more no, like, I want you no. to feel comfortable so that I can, you know, we can have a real conversation about your financial position. I can get a feel for what, how you are as a mom and a friend and you know, what you're looking for. That makes me and my team, that's what makes us good realtors. And the way that you do that is at least for us, it's been setting the tone of this just fun, funky, very off compass brand. Apologies. Because compass isn't fun or funky. <laughs> no, I mean, the, the colorful stuff. When we first started, I was so like, oh, I feel like I had to tone down so much. And we've come, um, we've come really far with that, being able to really in, like confidently inject our, our personality because I was so intimidated by 
you know, everything with Compass is so black and white and um, we've figured out literally, literally. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so, it's been fun though. Like aligning ourselves with, you know, because I do think that there was a level of professionalism that we did have to um, kind of rein back, but. Well, and it works. So what's your favorite platform? I am, I'm such an Instagram girl. I love Instagram. And I think that's kind of a cheesy answer. I, I'll tell you what my, what I don't like. Can I go in that direction? Perfect. Um, perfect. Yeah. yeah. That works too. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, don't do Snapchat. Don't, I don't do TikTok. We, um, we, our dark horse social media platform is Pinterest. Um, I don't do Snapchat or TikTok or any of those because, um, well, we do do TikTok, but, uh, because I don't understand them. And I, with Instagram and, and Facebook, if we're going to post something, it always seems like it's, you know, something that's kind of casual and conversational, but everything that we post is, is definitely intentional and, and thought out. And I think with Instagram in particular, because the format is so clean, you know, it's a three, uh, three picture grid, the hashtags are what they are, the comments are what they are, and that's it. It's so simple. So we are able to consistently put content out in the same format, right? Like, you know, how on Facebook, you can embed links and you can create ads and you can, I mean, there's so much you can do with your business profile on Facebook. And I do have a professional that, that, um, her name's Julia. She's our marketing manager that does that. But on Instagram, there's like a, there's something about the consistency that's required that, um, that really keeps me personally between the uprights on that. You know, like I can't really deviate from, from what, uh, what Instagram allows us to do. But you've been very true to your own brand, right? So I think that that's another good thing to point out. That under the compass umbrella, you've also been able to maintain your brand, keep a consistent, and I think a lot of it comes down to the photography you use, right? The consistent photography that you use on every property, right? And then of course you have Holly Meyer Lucas and the lemons. You use the lemons, you use the yellow as a highlight, and it, it has stayed consistent for as long as I've been following you. You have not, I mean, you might change a little thing here and there, but the look of the brand is still the same. Consistency is so important. I was just, um, I was talking to one of my, um, just like kind of like my marketing mentor about this. And, um, we, it's, it's having your, your voice come through in an image is something that's really difficult to do because, you know, the algorithm on Instagram, they hate, you know, text over, um, or or the, the algorithm doesn't love text right now. And um, so because of that, we have to tell a lot of story through, you know, lifestyle images. And that's actually something that I got from Compass. I didn't realize the power of, of lifestyle. Yeah, that's a Compass thing for sure. Oh my gosh. I'm, that's one of my favorite actually things that we have gained from being with Compass is the lifestyle, um, the lifestyle stuff that, um, that Compass Marketing has, has helped us with. Let me go back. You said you used Pinterest. How do you use, I, I don't follow you on Pinterest and I don't talk to many real estate agents that use Pinterest. How do you use Pinterest? Yes, this is a hack. Okay. So Pinterest has one of the strongest SEO. Uh, it's one of the strongest SEO drivers on the internet because there's so many users and it's such a strong backend. We use Pinterest to drive clicks through to our website. So Pinterest strengthens our click-through rate and our SEO. So we'll do, I mean, I don't even know how many followers we have, if any, on Pinterest, um, it, it's not about that. It's about putting pictures of our listings, embedding them onto boards, and then people click our website, it's and that helps bait. us with SEO. Yes. Okay. Yes. So you use, but Pinterest it's it, no, it's bait. yeah, it's it's um, it's traffic to our website. So right. Yeah. Well, and yeah. again, the strong imagery, right? You have beautiful, strong imagery. Putting mm-hmm. that, right, people will go and click and do. I was wondering, um, and we'll talk a little bit more about this in a minute. It, you don't put any of your staging stuff on there. 
Yeah, staging is so staging has come a, a very long way in the last five years. I mean, with the virtual stuff that you can do now, um, our photographer is the photographer that I use is absolutely amazing. But we also do on top of like I never get a photography file back on a listing and just use those photos. I edit everything. Almost every single photo is edited on top of what they send to us. And it's either me doing it personally. It's kind of a therapeutic thing for me in a way, like where I just sit in my little editing suite and do it myself. Or I have an editor that I'll send stuff to, um, like wires and uh, fray on a carpet, like anything that looks a weed, anything that you can remove physically so you can pull a weed out, right? That needs to be washed from the picture. If there's a car that's out of place, like I don't stress the owner out about making sure that everything's perfect on, on photo shoot day uh, because, you know, you can, you can Photoshop things out and the eyeball in person is a lot different than the eyeball on a screen, you know, like the things that we pick up on. That's another secret of your success is staging, right? So you were staging long before it was the thing to do long before there was compass concierge, you were staging and you work with your mom on the staging. So just go back to what inspired you to really get into that. Cause it makes a huge difference. Like I've gone through with you kind of the before and after subtle things. Like I never would have noticed, but why simple changes, simple edits make a huge difference, especially in the way the house photographs. So just kind of do a deep dive, just free form. Talk to us about how you got into that, why it works and, and how you differentiate yourself. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a visual thing because I can show you two pictures that are, that look completely the same. And you and I have talked about this before where it literally looks like the same entry, right? You have the rug and you have the pillows on the couch and you have the, let's say there are sliders going out to the, the pool. There's some candlesticks on the coffee table. It's, it's a foyer. It's an entry flip to the picture that we've edited and the candlesticks are gone. The pillows are gone. The drapes have been removed that you didn't notice before. The rug is different. They're tiny. So staging is not adding furniture to a vacant listing. It's working with what you have within the the physical confines of what you have. So for example, if you have a couch that you really can't move, use the couch, figure out how to use it, adjust the pillows. I'm obsessed with this it is very, very easy to change pillows and throws. And I'm talking not just like throw pillows. I mean like the actual cushions, like remove the actual cushions and then you can Photoshop something to make it look, because that's, that's a piece of furniture that can be removed. That's not sold with the home, you know? Um, I hate drapes. I always take drapes down. I was, you know, in Palm Beach County, we have a lot of very Tuscan, Mediterranean, heavy, heavy homes. And um, that's something that I'm kind of ruthless with, with sellers. I'll tell you one thing. One big part of our staging business is my ability to have a tough conversation with a seller. Like that is the hardest part I think about staging is telling them that, you know, their oriental rug that was $10,000 is too busy for the photo. Right. So my mom, uh, when I first started, uh, five years ago now I had, I just had my second kid and, um, and I, my business was the trajectory was just insane. We were growing like crazy. And I realized that the highest and best use of my time is not, you know, messing with this staging stuff. I, I tell the, the seller, you know, what we're going to do, but then my mom is so good about, about delivering on, um, on those, those marching orders. And now she's at a point where I don't even really weigh in anymore. Um, so it's like, it's removing, you know, knickknacky things. It's really just cleansing the home of any noise. And the way a home photographs is often very different than how it feels in person. Like most of the time we'll let the seller put their, um, I hate saying knickknacks cause it's, you know, people's memories and their personal belongings, but I'm just going to use it for now. But, you know, they're Swarovski crystal kittens. Like, we'll let them put them back because in person you don't notice those things, but on the photo you do. 
And so my mom, so she started doing her staging stuff and then that spiraled into her doing moderate renovations. So she would then do paint stuff. She would, you know, if a home was missing a, a kitchen backsplash, she would, which I'm obsessed with, if you're selling a home and your kitchen doesn't have, you know, the builder grade stuff, they don't put backsplashes right. in. Yeah. Put a backsplash in. It's a couple hundred bucks. Make does wonders. You know, then she's coordinating tile people. Then she's, um, you know, adding wood to a ceiling on a patio and it just kind of spiraled out of control. And now she has a full blown, full blown home renovation business. And, um, she's so busy. I don't even see, her. I don't, I don't even know where she is right now. Like she might not even be in town right now. <laughs> I don't even know. She's so busy. So she does, um, she does home renovations for our clients. So, which is two things it's for our buyers. When we have a buyer right now, you know, I mean, the inventory is insanely weak right now. Right. So buyers right now also are relocating to this area and they want things that are ready, done, pretty Pinterest board looking. So what we've found is that that's really hard to find, but what we have an abundance of, particularly in South Florida, are homes that, you know, grandma, grandpa lived in and now have moved on or, you know, homes that have just been not touched since the eighties. And those are the ones that you can get a great deal on because those are the ones that are actually sitting I always tell people when they're like, well, I want a good deal, you know, with, with COVID, I think we're going to have, we're going to see some good deals, which isn't true. That's a whole other topic. Yeah. That's a whole other story. Yeah. Um, but I always say, okay, so go, I'm going to filter by days on market. I'm going to put it over 200 days. Cause anything that's sitting is probably, they're probably in a, that's where you're going to get a good deal. And then finding the ones that are outdated. And then it's so easy to go in there with my mom. She'll provide a quote within two seconds. You know, we, we want a light, bright kitchen well, this house has all the fundamentals, so we'll put a light bright kitchen in. It'll be, you know, this much at closing. We can hit the ground running. Because she's also a licensed realtor, she can go in and provide the quote without, um, like, as a, a realtor, she can, you know, access Supra or, you know, go in the home. It's a really, really awesome system that we have. You are a mom of now three adorable little boys. <laughs> Thank you. I am. I'm a mom of three. It's weird. <laughs> it's, it- it makes me laugh. Like I see those cute little boys on your Instagram and literally I laugh every day just at little boy <laughs> antics, right? Just the things that they're up to always like, you know, outside in their bathing suits or in their shorts, no shirts. Like they're just such <laughs> typical little Florida boys running around with their lizards and their things they find in the yard. And I just, I don't know. It's, it's very cute. <laughs> it's very, ende- it's very endearing. But again, this is a great group to tap into. Like we talked about this, like you know, anybody that is a young mom can tap into mommy groups. And this is, and you and I have talked about this before. When I was a young mom a million years ago, I tapped into a mommy group and that was business really that sustained me throughout my entire sales career. I still have calls from people from my original mommy group. So can you talk about how you've tapped into the moms and now they're like, I mean, it is really such a such a, an organized force now um, with mommy bloggers and social media and influencers. So just talk about how you tapped into that and how that works for you. Yeah. The mo- God, the mommy tribe is, um, it is a, it is a tribe. It's a village. It's a force, especially in 2020, you know, with, with COVID and all the unknown, I feel like our groups have just totally strengthened, but, um, but that's actually a good segue. The way I really got into these mommy groups and really established my footing there as this like real estate expert was providing value from a genuine place, you know? So on Facebook, for example, there are a couple mom groups and anytime anyone posts anything, you know, real estate related, or, you know, we get a lot of questions about, 
you know, I have mold in my, I have a lease and, and I have mold and my landlord's not letting me out. You know, I have my little kids, like what, does anyone have a, um, like a medical background that can tell me if I need to get my kids out of the house or, you know, something like that, something related to where the mom really genuinely has a problem. And I always immediately chime in from a place of like a very genuine place of providing value. And, um, you know, I know the Florida landlord tenant act backwards and forwards. So, <laughs> so I'm able to provide value there. And, um, and with all questions, like people are constantly asking about different neighborhoods and, um, and I always come from a place of, you know, not, not trying to get any kind of business whatsoever. And I mean that very genuinely. I'm like a stickler for not working with my friends. I'm pretty outspoken about this, actually. Um, oh, you know, severe is different than friends, right? And in the mommy community, you know, that's how you end up getting tagged in things and recommended. And, you know, because you establish yourself as the expert, obviously don't establish yourself or don't try to establish yourself as the expert if you don't know what you're talking about, which happens a lot on social media coming from a place of, um, of again, just providing value and providing knowledge is, is, has really helped me separate myself. And I'm also really supportive of, of the mom blogger influencer. Um, I love seeing moms start businesses and right now it's, it's amazing. I feel like everyone has a side hustle or a main hustle and, um, it's just, it's so inspiring and I love being a cheerleader. And great. And it is a good group. And I know just in talking to a lot of younger moms out there that are getting into real estate, because again, I think a lot of people get into real estate when they're a young mother, because the flexibility this business gives you from a sales perspective to kind of have different hours and you can still, you know, take your kids to school, be a, you know, be a room mom, you know, yeah, <laughs> pick them up at noon, drop them, you know, you, you can have a, a pretty dedicated family life and still be able to sell real estate. So you see a lot of young women come into real estate because of that flexibility. So they really would love to be able to know more about tapping into other people like them, right? Because they understand the demands of being a, a full-time working parent in, in, in this crazy world where you've got to, you know, maybe you're homeschooling, maybe you're pod schooling, all this yeah. crazy stuff that's happening now. So, so again, any other tips? I think, you know, you said, you know, be genuine, be yourself learn to be an expert in something, right? Something that you know about, something that you, uh, something that you legitimately can share in mommy groups on Facebook. I think school groups too, right? Plugging into uh, school yeah. associations, school groups, online presence with school groups as well. Any other tips? a lot of it, yeah, I think a lot of it is, um, a lot of it really boils down to, I was just thinking about how, like how you would have done that before social media, like how you got your mom tribe before social media. And I think one of the things that you're so good at is you're like the best sounding board ever. And I think that moms, uh, moms need that. Like where it's not, maybe it's not just asking a question like in COVID right now, right? Like, are you going to send your kids back to school? What are you going to do? Maybe it's, you know, so this is crazy. I wonder what's going to happen. Like you, you can sense when a mom needs, when she needs reassurance with something. And I think you're really good at reading that. And, um, and I do that too, where it's like, this mom just wants to talk. Like, uh, you know, tell me more, tell me more about what, you know, like I'm always, trying to, um, yeah. And you do that really well too, where you're like genuinely like, tell me more. Yeah. And sometimes it's just like, oh my gosh, this day has been brutal. Right. I mean, this is the day the kids didn't do anything they were supposed to do. You know, the two-year-old draw drew, drew all over the freshly painted walls, you know, the, the, you left the front door open and the dog got out and you had to chase it. You know, those crazy 
mom days that every, and, and, and that's even for dads too, right? Those crazy parent days that you have, sometimes it's just a place to say, oh my gosh, my life is so not perfect. I just need someone yes. to talk to that understands that you're not a bad mother because you turned around for five minutes to go take a shower and your kid drew all over your walls. Yes. So, I mean- <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. And by the way, as a realtor, I can tell you how to get that off your walls. <laughs> like literally, See, I know exactly how to do perfect. Realtors know everything. We're like the catch-all resource for all things. Like any, any disaster, like where's the fire? I have the bucket. You bring the water. We'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so good. Th- thank you for kind of, helping that. I'm going to switch gears again now and go into teams. I mean, you've got a great team. You've had turnover, right? So, and you've got kind of constantly got, you've got people that stay, but you've also got, you're always bringing new people in. So just talk about your very unique way that you've built your, your, your lemonhead group and, <laughs> and what, you know, what you look for, how do you manage them? How do you divide your team? Cause you've got a very unique team structure. So we talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I so I started my team because I mainly because I thrive on other people's energy and I'm I'm like a I'm a team person. Like I just I like being I like the energy of other people. Um and also when I got my very first listing, I kept talking to this seller in terms of we. Like I had some kind of like back end support staff that I was at Keller Williams at the time and and you know there is a we in Keller Williams, but I remember just thinking like this we thing is really convenient. I should probably add an actual human to this like we narrative that I'm, that I'm creating. So, um, I immediately, I mean, within, I had my team, gosh, right when I first started, because I just, it was like, I'm good at going out and getting new business and making our phone ring and making people want to like really making people genuinely want to work with us. We don't buy a lot of online leads for the team. Um, it's mostly people just calling the office and saying like, Hey, I heard you guys were great at assigning social media or, you know, I saw your reviews and I want to work with you. And so the biggest thing for me is, is um, having team members who can then take that phone call when they're asking for, you know, is Holly available, the pivot there, um, you know, where they can just literally pick up the ball and, and not only run with it, but score, you know, a slam dunk. I require most of my agents to, um, they, like, they have to be smart. They have to be able to be technologically savvy. They, most of my agents come from um, non-real estate backgrounds. In fact, I the majority of them haven't worked in real estate before. And um, my MO always is to first and foremost, best serve our clients. So I put people in place on my team who are going to be good people. They're not going to screw anybody over. They're going to tell me immediately when there is something bad brewing. That's a characteristic that I really, really covet um, because the worst thing that you can do as an agent is let something go sideways and not get help, you know? Um, so yes. no, no egos. Yes. Believe yeah. me, I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, man, that's funny thing. Cause you're my first call when something does go sideways. It's so funny. I feel like, you know, like when I'm actually calling you and not texting you, like answer this yeah. call, please, Beth. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, yeah. there's usually something fun on the other end. Yeah. Do you have a second? Yes, I do. Yeah, <laughs> I sure do. Anyway. Um, yeah, so, so no ego and the ability to ask for help and the ability to take direction and, and whatnot and all those fun things. But, um, but first and foremost is really the, that they're fun and that they're going to get along and you know, be part of our, our team chemistry. Turnover is so natural in real estate, and I really learned a hard lesson with that in the past, like the past year where um, 
so the new agents that I bring in, I really set the expectation hard that this is a, and this should be a 18 month to two year commitment. If you're on my team for more than 18 months or two years and you haven't wanted to go out on your own, then we should probably have a discussion about why or why not. Like I have, Caroline is my, my, um, most senior agent. She's been with me forever and she's been on other teams before. So she knows the value of being on a team and she, I don't think she would ever leave me. She's like my, like just ride or die, but she's uniquely in that position. Most people get into real estate because they want to be entrepreneurs. Right. And then they join a team to help them, you know, build their, to help them get business and, and build business. And, um, and so I think putting expectations around what the offboarding process looks like rather than waiting for an agent to like, I can always tell when they're about to leave, right? Like they start sandbagging deals. They start pushing, you know, all of a sudden leads aren't, you know, they have nothing in the pipeline because they're, you know, trying to, um, you know, offboard themselves, but they also don't want to, here's the biggest thing that costs realtors, team leaders, tons of money is that they don't want to tell the team leader because they're afraid that they're not going to get paid on the deals that they have in the contract. And that's a huge mistake. Um, for team leaders not to acknowledge. And I've made the mistake of not, you know, combating that head on and, and not calling the girls out on it, but having the tough conversation, like, you know, are you thinking about leaving? Um, because if there's a process in place, like that makes the offboarding process. And now, now I do have a really structured environment for that, that enables agents to leave if, if and when they're ready. And that's, that's really the operative phrase there is that when they are ready to leave, I'm I love training and mentoring people. And when they do leave the team, I want the door to be wide open for them to be able to come back and ask questions and not be some kind of like, you know, blow up over, you know, over a deal that you don't. Yeah. So, I mean, this is one of my, you know, I, I always have these things like someday when I, one of the causes that I'm going to champion and sooner or later I'll get the time and I'll do it. But this idea that independent contractors can be, unnaturally bound to a company or an agent team or whatever, because of some reduction in split, or you're not going to take your listings. I just feel like the time for that has passed, you know, it's, it, and it creates more ill will, right? So what you end up is this whole devious structure behind agents now plotting to leave. So I I'm ready to leave, but I've got this and this and this and this. And so for the next three months until I'm out of listings and my deals close, I'm going to, you know, subvert my deals outside. I'm going to stop taking leads. It's super detrimental to the organization. Whereas as opposed to being creating an environment where you have an open and honest conversation that says, I think it's time. And I think your approach is very mature. Some people, it you know, the natural course of a new agent is to get to a point where they either want to go on their own or they're going to be committed. So if they're ready to go out, if there's a better opportunity someplace else, especially when you work with people that you care about, it's like, I want you to have as many good opportunities as yeah, you can. Yeah, tell me about yeah. it. Let's talk about right? it. I'll help you negotiate with that broker. Like, I know what to ask for, you know, like, and I did, It's this is not to say that, and I have matured so much over this. When when I, I remember when my I had an agent leave and I just was so, you know, because it's it's hurtful too, because you put your heart and soul into training these people. And um, and I've had to really scale back on that too, you know, like like making it so personal. Because, you know, right. when agents come to me, they're making a huge, they are taking a leap of faith based on what they see me do and what they talk to me about. Right. And so I I'm controlling their career essentially. I have the career their career in the, the palm of my hand. And when they end up 
you know, absolutely, you know, skyrocketing with their, you know, their sit and just doing so well. It's like this little, you know, like it's like a little bird that, you know, then leaves the nest and they should want to. Right. Um, but I, I've had some amazing, amazing agents come through my organization and leave in the best way where we do have an honest conversation. This just happened. Um, there was one this spring where she basically came to me and was like, I realized that I can't like our, it would cost me as in Holly more money to keep her than it would. Like, I can't negotiate a split a different way. You know, there's only so much you can do. And so instead, you know, like, let's talk about offboarding you. And it was, you know, hugs and tears when she, when she left, but then there are the agents that, you know, go behind your back. So I think just really, like you said, um, not to beat a dead horse, but one thing that I've really, really done is created structure around it and, um, and mutually acknowledged and mutually respected framework. Well, and, and, and it does go around, right? So, you know, I've been around long enough to see when things don't work out, if they don't, not that you wish for anything not to work out, or, you know, you move around, you have a different opportunity. I mean, the number of people that come full circle and come back, right? It isn't yeah. what they promised me. It isn't what I worked out, but thank you for letting me go. Thank you for letting me understand that. I'm ready to, you know, I'd love to come back. That does happen. People do come back when it's not what they think. And you do really keep that long I mean careers are long life is long you want to be able to keep those long-term relationships so I think that's very smart and thank you for sharing that you are also super goaling oriented I mean like I you talk about it all the time one of your goals which I love is that you double your production every year how have you managed to set and surpass these goals because it's incredibly impressive <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, I'm like numbers obsessed only because I, I come from a, like, I'm, I'm very German that way. I come from a, um, a background in, in medical sales where, you know, you have your quota and you either, are, you either make your quota or you don't like it's black or white, yes or no. And so I always have set, you know, quotas for myself, almost like a game with myself. Um, our, us joining compass absolutely kept us on that trajectory of doubling our, um, our production. You know, it's easy to double your production when you do like my first year in real estate, I think I did, I think I did 8 million and then I did, you know, 16 and then 32 and then 60. Um, this year, you know, with COVID it's been, it's been challenging, but I'm still eye on the prize, but, um, I project things using, I have like a a self-created algorithm that I'm constantly, um, constantly maneuvering and, and, uh, tinkering with. And I, I, yeah, it's, it's, this year has been, this year has been so hard. I'm so, I'm probably not going to make my number this year. And nope, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. The market is, the <laughs> yes. market is on fire this last quarter. You are in one of the best markets. You are going to do it. Yes. So, yes, yeah. I yes, yeah. I am. Yes, I am. I am. Yes, I am. I had a baby in May and um, I had a closing the day I went into labor and then another closing the day I, the day after I had the baby. And um, it was so funny because everyone, like the nurses and, like everyone kept commenting on that. And I'm like, I don't know what you're like, this is so normal for me. Like, <laughs> like I, I don't see what the pro I feel like you can probably like attest to that. Like, I'm sure you were the same way. It's like closing a deal from like, give me the epidural, like, but don't take my phone away. You know, like I, I need that. Give me my phone back. Well, okay. So let's just say when I was getting my epidural, there were no phones. I just want to. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> But if there had been, you would have. <laughs> yes, absolutely. There was a beeper. There was a beeper. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, sorry. It was funny. But 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 I think, and just to go back and just unpack that a little bit. So the fact that you said, well, my, you know, it's not hard to do when you're, you know, when you're at $8 million. Do you know how many people 
never get to $8 million. The fact that you did that in your first year is extraordinary. And then you doubled it and doubled it again. It's um, so, so please don't minimize the simple accomplishments that you started with, because that in and of itself is just an outstanding record. But that, I just think that idea of focus and constantly, I like that you called it your algorithm. Um, just being in touch, being in touch with your algorithm, right? It's so very compass of you. Um, just being in touch with your own algorithm and knowing what it takes, always, always knowing where you are in the year. What do I have to do? How do I have to get there? And yeah. it's never, it's never like you don't track it down to that means that I have to do X number of calls a day or X. It, it just, it's just front and center. Yeah. How you go about your day and it creates that intention that makes it work. Yeah. And and it's, it's the, um, like if I am, if I, so our sales cycle is 30, 60, 90 days, right? So you might get a contract in the next 30, but probably like, that's going to be tough closing something in 30 days, whatever you have under contract right now will probably be at least 30 days from closing. Right. So, um, you know, or someone you're working with. So I always look at it as I know exactly what to do if our 60 day, 90 day marker is off and it is putting my ass in an open house and hosting it. It is calling expired. So those are the two. And it's always it's funny with realtors, whenever I do like a coaching session, like I'll ask them like, so what are you, you know, how are you going to drive business for, you know, cause I see nothing on your books for the next two months. And, um, you know, they'll come up with, well, I'm going to do this many calls and I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to reach out to this many people. And it's like, no, 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 like simplify, simplify. What are you specifically going to say on those calls? What are you, what's your intention? Cause I'll tell you the easiest way to get the best thing about real estate is every single day, there are new expireds and canceled listings every single day. Every single day, there's a new for sale by owner. Every single weekend, there's an open, open house opportunity. You just have to do it. Like, just do it. <laughs> it's 90% of getting it done. Yes. It, re- it, it really is. So you live in Jupiter and you live that, and I love that, the hashtag Jupe life. Talk about the market overall. Like it just, like Jupiter keeps coming into so many of my conversations outside of Florida, right? Like, like suddenly Jupiter is like big and on the map, right? It's not Miami beach or Fort Lauderdale, yeah. Palm beach. It's Jupiter. So Jupiter is certainly the it place to be right now. You know, why do you think that is? Oh, I love Jupiter. I love it. I love it. So when I first got my license, I thought that I was going to be like, you know, I, I had all these SEO keywords about, you know, the Treasure Coast and Palm Beach County. And I mean, I think even had some Miami stuff in there. And what I realized is if I sell every single house on my individual street, which is, you know, maybe 30 homes, that's a lot of real estate. And that's just one street, right? Jupiter. So I really became like hyper-focused on Jupiter. People ask me all the time, like if I'll do Boca or if I'll do, you know, Vero Beach and not like, I'm not looking to drive because I don't know those markets. Like you have to sell what you know. And I know Jupiter inside and out. Jupiter is it's a vibe. It's a mood. It's an attitude. <laughs> it's a movement. <laughs> Jupiter is so, oh, I just love it here so much because it has, in Jupiter, we have people that have relocated here and people that have, are from here originally that are just very smart, successful, awesome people that can live anywhere and choose to live in Jupiter because our community is is educated and low key and casual. Like we're not, we're not Palm Beach Island. We're not you know, the insanity of Miami, no offense, it's, it's laid back. Um, it's just laid back elegance here. And people here are, um, you know, they spend money on their boats, not their cars. They spend money on their waterfront, not their, you know, it's, it's so, um, people, I can tell immediately if someone's going to be a Jupiter person or not based on their lifestyle. It's like this, like low key, easy breezy, 
so we have the beach, we have the intercoastal, we have the Gulf, we have, um, we have it all, <laughs> except any kind of topography whatsoever. We have zero elevation here, which is kind of weird. Like there is zero elevation. There are no mountains, there are no hills. You know, it's funny, Florida. so when, yeah, exactly. So when people, um, I'm sure you see this all the time, when, when other realtors, I always wanna call them out, when they post a picture of a quote unquote beach for their like social media stuff, if there's a cliff in the background or like any kind of like <laughs> any kind of <laughs> incline, probably didn't happen in Florida. <laughs> Well, yeah, I love it. That's one of my favorite things in the TV shows, right? So they're supposed to be in Miami or Fort Lauderdale or whatever, and they show the beach scene, and it's so clearly California. I'm like, okay, no, dude, there are no mountains on the beach. In yes, Florida. this is you are in the wrong place. <laughs> you are in the wrong place. Yes. So, and and you are great about it. And the market. So just, I know we talked just touched briefly a little earlier on single family home market. You know, yeah. how is the market there? Who's moving there? What, what do you tell, give us your firsthand account? So this, I mean, the salt tax thing has been by far and away the biggest driver of, of people moving here. And it's always been, I mean, we've always been a snowbird pole market from the Northeast. We always have, uh, you know, people from New York, New Jersey, uh, Massachusetts, the Northeast in general, but, and Palm beach has long been the, you know, the haven for snowbirds, but in 2020, um, and I was saying this, gosh, two years ago, we, our website, I noticed an extreme uptick on our website from people from California, right when the first tax thing happened. Um, this was in this is right when I first turned Compass. Um, I was like obsessed with it. I think I wrote like four or five blogs about this. How people are looking to move to Florida from non-traditional Florida. So we we doubled down on our um, our Google Ad stuff, our Facebook targeting in California, and ended up paying off tremendously because people are just leaving California, leaving the West Coast in droves. A lot of them are a lot of business that we end up losing. So my biggest competition is actually not like another realtor here. It's probably Nashville and Austin, like the cities, because people that love Jupiter are going to also love the idea of moving to Nashville and the idea of moving to Austin. It's because both places don't have state income tax. Both places are very easy to move a business, very business friendly. Palm Beach County is an amazing job of, uh, of making it very business friendly. So Single family uh, scene, the first question that I always ask is, are you a golfer or a club person? And if you are a club person, you'll know the answer to that. If you're not, you'll say, well, what do you mean by club person? Right? Because <laughs> we have... <laughs> is that club soccer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have an abundance of country clubs here, but, um, but you know, to buy into a country club is like the equities usually, you know, like a hundred grand or around there. Um, and then the second question is always, are you a boater? Because uh, everyone wants waterfront, but, or a lot of people want waterfront, but... Um, but what type of waterfront is always eliminates or, or creates a, a criteria um, marker. And the funny thing is too, in Jupiter, and I, I think Miami is kind of similar, there's only, there are only two or three major bridges to the beach here. So you could be, as the crow flies, you could be, you know, two miles from the beach, but to get to the bridge and around, you're probably like 20 minutes to the beach. So when the salt tax started changing things and we did have the in-migration, I remember, you know, somebody going on, um, Instagram, I think it was a Miami broker and saying, oh my gosh, we're going to have every New Yorker in the world move to Miami. But the truth is, although we did experience some, what I noticed is that a lot of the younger Northeasterners moved with families, skipped over Miami, skipped over Fort Lauderdale and went to Jupiter and Naples. Yeah. And I think just because of that, like that family life, right? When you factor in, you know, youth sports, 
uh, great value for, you know, good size houses. Great. Like it, it just has that wonderful lifestyle we were talking about earlier. That's very attractive to a young family. So yes. are you still, are you still seeing a lot of young families? Very much so. And I think that, you know, when you search for places to live in Miami or anything with Miami in the, the search, I think it's for, for the young millennials that are relocating here, it's just overwhelming. And I think that it's, it's unfortunate that Miami is such a big city because there's so many awesome suburbs and so many amazing places to live around Miami. But I think it's, it's the reason why, but why so many people have crept further North is because Jupiter is so simple. Naples is simple. The neighborhoods are very obvious. Like in Miami, it's just a lot. And Boca is kind of like that too. Like Boca, it's, it's hard to it's like- It's gotten that way. Yeah. yeah. It's gotten that way. So it, it, there's an evolution that happens. I mean, I've watched it, right? So back in the early 90s, right? A lot of people were choosing Weston, right? Southwest Broward. Yeah. That all really blew up after Hurricane Andrew in particular. So people would do the commute to be able to have that Western lifestyle, right? With the town center, new, I mean, new construction, because forget it, a new single family home in Miami, it's, it was, a, there's just not an abundance of it. So especially for relocation buyers, they really wanted that to move into those newer communities and Miami just didn't really have much to offer, right? So it's like, why would I spend more to live in the 60 year old house that needs to be totally redone when I can buy a brand new house up in Weston? And yeah, you know, we might have to commute an extra 20 minutes to get to downtown Miami, but that just seems to me the best way thing to do. Brand new schools, brand new life, you know, very shiny. And so that's kind of moved around, right? Then it went to Boca, And now it just seems like it's really moving up the coast, right? To be able to get that new thing. Plus those, you know, the, the, the housing ages, um, the cities get bigger. So it's not as attractive over time, but I see somehow that Jupiter has managed to maintain a lot of that small town charm. Yeah. It's simple. It's like, it's just, it's this like simplicity. So for someone relocating, Weston is such a good example of this because, you know, it's, well, I will move my family here because I know what this is. Like, there's no, there are no, it's not an enigma. And I feel like Miami is an enigma. Like, it's like, okay, well, what grocery store do I go to? Like in Weston and in Jupiter, you can figure that out in two seconds because there's four of them, <laughs> you know? Well, and it, and, and it's complicated, right? I think that, yeah, that the, the complexity that, that, around it, yeah. That, that, that Miami appeals once somebody moves here when they're single or they're a young couple they are much more likely to stay in the Miami community. For families moving in, it's a little bit more daunting. So I think that the the choices elsewhere become simpler, right? Because it's neighborhoods and schools and it's not as complex an issue as it could be in the greater Miami area. So it's good and I'm glad Jupiter is doing well. And I really think the California thing is super interesting because everybody kind of scratches their head like, California, why would a Californian move to Florida? Because all that salt tax stuff was really focused on New York and New Jersey and, and, and Connecticut and not so much on the uh on what's happened in california but i think especially with covid those california numbers have jumped up considerably are you seeing that yeah 100 100 i think when you're in california you have like to find a state that doesn't have state income tax the alternatives on the west coast are washington state wyoming and nevada and i think it's so that's i think why tennessee slash nashville and florida have become so attractive because they're 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 a big, it's a steep departure to leave California and come this far east 
where, you know, Washington, Nevada, and Wyoming are still fairly west for a lot of people. So I think it's like if we're going to take the plunge, we're going to do it, you know, and like. Well, really it's also it. a, a, a huge weather difference, right? To move from Southern yeah. California <laughs> and that. to Washington, <laughs> yeah. to Washington and Wyoming is like, that's a very different climate. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Climate to consider. <laughs> All right, so I know you're a real podcast listener. Share some of your favorites. Besides oh, this, one, this of yes, this, I love your podcast, <laughs> Beth. It's like I, I just feel like I can have this like conversation with you, and I'm not in it, but I pretend like I am when I listen to you. <laughs> I loved your your um, episode with Leonard. That was such. A, I felt like I was in that conversation. It was such great content. If anyone's, oh my god, listen to that if you haven't. Good stuff. Um, so I, my podcast ebb and flow with my mood completely. Like if I'm feeling freaky about social media, I will do like some kind of social media influencer. Like I usually will type in the search bar um, something like influencer or marketing if I'm feeling kind of broad. But anytime I'm in the car, it's like a rule with myself. Anytime I'm in the car driving, I don't take phone calls. I don't mess around on my phone. I put on a podcast and I just listen. And I have this like, it, sometimes it's almost masochistic where I'm like, completely miserable listening to something, but I have to see it to the end. And um, so I love uh, Brittany Crystal's uh, Beyond Influential. Love, love, love that podcast. Um, I love the Entree Leadership one with this recent turnover that I've had with my team. If you you should listen to that if you don't. It's so good. It's um, it's actually, I just learned that it's a David Ramsey product. Um, like he, it's under his organization, but it's called Entree Leadership. And it's, it's about being an entrepreneur and a leader and you know, also the, the, um, a lot of times the person that's in the business, right. Uh, which is unique position that realtors are in. For the last question, before we get into the lightning round, um, is look, one of the things I reached out to you about doing this podcast is because there was a day and it was recently, and I'm looking at your Instagram and there you are two boys running around like crazy people, a brand new baby in your arms try and do a real estate deal as you're saying goodbye to your husband who's on the air at the airport off to do major league baseball. And not to mention that day you're under a hurricane watch and you got to go home and prep your house. <laughs> like I just thought, Oh my gosh, like it, my whole body was on meltdown for you because I was just like, I, how in the world do you do this? I mean, this is a lot for somebody to take on. So how do you balance all this? And you do you do it effortlessly, although you do, you're very funny in, in social media, just talking about the days, the crazy things that go on. But I just thought that day, I just thought, this is amazing what you balance in a day. So, so just especially, yeah. well, especially on that day. Like, that, oh day that was a lot. <laughs> Life came at me fast that day. It came in real hot. Um, I think it's, it's, it's acknowledging, like my biggest thing with, with, that is acknowledging what balls are glass and what balls are plastic. And sometimes you really have to just win some and lose others. And when I say lose, I don't mean like, you know, creating a situation where it's like you've created a fire because you've, you know, dropped a ball, but more just saying no to the thing that you, you know, want to be doing or saying no to the client or, um, you know, setting the right expectations. But don't get me wrong either. I have a, and I'm really, I should be more outspoken about this. I have a lot of help. I have an au pair that lives with us full time. And then, um, and then my parents, you know, my dad works for me and his, he's one of my agents on my team, but he's become kind of my, like, like, I feel like I constantly am like, Hey dad, Hey dad, Hey dad, can you watch? So I just had a baby and with COVID, I, I don't have a, 
it, my au pair isn't allowed to watch him and I can't drop him off at a daycare yet. So I have him, he's like my sidekick by my side all day long. And, um, and so my dad helps me with that. But I live and die in my calendar. If it's not on my calendar, it doesn't exist. I am, by default, I have to be so insanely diligent about setting the right expectations. Otherwise, you know, you'll just implode. But I've always kind of been like this. Like, I, I feel like I've lived in my 33 years. I feel like I've lived 60 years. Yeah. I, well, it, listen, it, it is a lot and it's impressive. And I just think that, right, you know, in all of this, right, in COVID, <laughs> having the baby take, I, I like, she's at the office with the baby. He's a week old. I'm like, okay, that's killing me because this is like... <laughs> <laughs> but you know how it is. Like I'm, I'm so sensitive I, to this because I, I, like I wouldn't have it any other way. And anyone that knows me, I talk to Jeff Polachek about this all the time. Like right, like every time I talk to Jeff, I'm like, like he, oh god, I feel like I'm always like, just yeah. Um, I wouldn't have it any other way. And I hate saying it like that because I feel like I, I, I am, you know, a mentor to a lot of women, and it, it is very see, do as I say, not as I do. Because you know, work life balance. What is that? I don't care. <laughs> no, no, well, 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 but yes, in an odd way, you have it because it's all mixed together, kind of just to bring this yeah. whole false, all full circle back to the social media, just like the social media. It's just like this, this big pot of Holly stew and there's all these elements in it and they're all kind of stirring around and swirling around and you're, you don't compartmentalize. Right. So I think that there's, I love that you said that you need to know which balls are glass and which balls are plastic. I think that's invaluable, right? What prioritizing, what's important, what's not. But I also love that you don't try and separate everything out because I think that's where it becomes really hard. You, you got to, at some point, especially in this business, Yes. You have I think to it's be like able to mix it all together. You yeah. have to be able to. Yeah. And when something does go sideways, like I don't, I really, really don't dwell on things going wrong. Like it'll, I'll get like emotion, an emotional zap of something when, you know, when something pretty bad happens or if I lose a big deal or something weird happens, but I move on really quickly. And I think that that's something like bouncing back from you did, like, don't waste time on, on dwelling on things. Like that's, yeah, that's something that I've really had to learn to do. And the, you know, if you have to cut bait on something, do it, you know, pivot, 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 stay nimble, stay nimble. I'm obsessed with that too. If something's not working yeah. with your business, your marketing, your, I mean, Move it, your change personal it. life. Right. Yeah, change it. Move it. It's easy. Yeah. <laughs> well, 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 thank you. You ready for the lightning round? I am. Let's do it. Okay. Where were you born? Uh, Kirkland, Washington. Grew up okay. in Germany, though. <laughs> yeah, in Munich, right? Yeah, it's weird. Whenever someone asks me where I'm from, because so with Ed, with my husband, we lived everywhere. So whenever someone asks where I'm from, I feel like, I am doing everywhere else a disservice by only giving one answer to that. <laughs> I've lived yes. everywhere. Yeah. Birth order. I am the second of four. There are three girls, one boy, and we are very, very close in age and thick as thieves. What's your academic background? Uh, so I went to four different colleges and um, I played soccer and bounced around. Graduated from University of Tennessee with a degree in business. No, that's not true. German language and literature. <laughs> I was a business major, but my degree is in German language and literature, <laughs> which is weird. So, so useful. Very, so useful. very exactly. handy. So, 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 somehow I don't see you as a German teacher at a high school. Well, the I don't joke know. is that, so <laughs> yeah, the joke is that I speak German, but every German speaks perfect English. So it's like the most irrelevant thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, could be a teacher. No way. Who was your best? Te- who was your best teacher? Oh, so I don't. I don't have a good answer for this. I so there's one teacher that really, really was not so nice to me in high school, and um, so I think that she was probably my best teacher because she motivated the whether I liked it or not. She motivated the hell out of me for being um, like she just really did a number on calling me out for being for underachieving. And I don't want to even name her name because I don't want to give her credit because I'm still pissed about it. (laughs) But um, yeah, probably her. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah. Just being good doesn't mean you had to like them. So I think it's a good point to make. Um, (laughs) We we just talked about what your college major was. So what was your first job like in life, not out of college, but in life? (laughs) I asked the store. So in Germany, we grew up near a train station. And I asked when I was in fourth grade, I asked the store that was like this like corner store. Um, it was like a butcher and a bakery. I asked the woman that owned it if I could work for her, not thinking like (laughs) if, if she says yes, then like, what's the next step? And so I came home and I told my parents when I was like 11 that I got a job and my mom looked at me like, no, you didn't (laughs) like, no, that's not an option. (laughs) But I was like stocking her shelves and, um, lasted probably three weeks, but I needed some money for my Pokemon cards. So uh, but of course, of course, serial entrepreneur. <laughs> well, uh, well, there's a, a need, right? Necessity is the mother of invention. I need those Pokemon yes. cards. I got to go make the money. Yes. I like that. What was your first job? Um, my first job was I was a cheerleading coach oh, cool. um, at, at the age of 10. Right? So, <laughs> yes. yeah, so, so, so where I was, you know, a cheerleader in the little uh, youth center in Coral Gables, right? So they needed coaches for the younger kids. So literally they hired us. They paid me 75 cents an hour, oh which God. I thought was all the money in the world to be a cheerleader, <laughs> to be, to be a cheerleading coach to the six-year-olds. So, and I all loved it. All the money. I loved it. I love it. That's cool. All, all the money in the world, 75 cents an hour. I was, I was, I could buy whatever I wanted at the snack bar. I was very happy. I love that, it. that was my, that's what I needed when I was 10, right? Yes. Who cared living the dream, else? living cheerleading, the dream. cheerleading and, and gummy bears. There's nothing better than that. Nope. Uh, <laughs> who do you consider your best mentor? Probably you. Oh, don't say that. No, I'm, no. <laughs> I felt immediately like that you, without even, like you didn't know me, but I feel like you got me from like jump. And I think that every conversation you and I have ever had is like, like I talk to you maybe once a month, maybe, and it's like 30 seconds, three minutes. And I'm like, yo, what do I do here? What do I do here? What do I do here? And you, the way you explain things to me is so like, as if you get that I've already tried X, Y, Z, A, B, C. Like, I love that you're not like, well, try turning it off and turning it back on. <laughs> you know, it's like, you like get that my wavelength is like, like I've already tried that. So tell me the answer that's seven steps ahead of that. Right. Um, no, I just, I respect you so much. And in this industry, like you have such an amazing reputation and, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm so glad to have you in my life. Thank you. And likewise. (laughs) So we talked about your current familiar status, right? So tell us about your husband and your boys. I have, yeah. So my husband's name is Ed Lucas. He played baseball for 14 years is in his like millionth season of baseball in general. Um, he's in the front office with the Brewers this year, but we've been with eight different teams. I can't even keep up anymore. Um, and then I have a son, Rhodes, who's seven. Brooks is just turned five. And little Desi, whose name is still just not, I'm not, I, I'm not confident on the name. 
It's still like a thing. We had so we had these two other boys, and which was horrible. Like naming a boy when you're married to a professional athlete is the hardest thing ever because Ed has played with every name under the sun. So like I would throw out a name, suggest a boy name, and he'd be like, no, this one guy, this one time. And so now I'm boy number three. I'm like, I don't even know. Uh, you're, he's you're, you're out. <laughs> um, where do you live and what do you like best about your home? I live in Jupiter and I live in a, a community called Rialto, which is a gated, very family friendly community. And um, the reason I love it in there is because our community is like, I, I don't think I can ever leave Rialto because my neighbors are so amazing. Like I have the most amazing tribe of our community is amazing. And so whenever I sell a home in Rialto, I come in, I always come in way too hot where I'm like, this community is amazing because the people are amazing. I personally live here. And every time I say that, the person's looking at me like, like, I know this happens where they're like, well, I don't want to live here now because you seem a little, <laughs> little too aggressive. I love my, my community, though. I just uh, love it. And what do you like best about your house? Um, so we, my husband and I bought a, when we just had the one kid, we bought a five-bedroom home specifically, like probably too large for our family at the time, specifically because he and I both moved. I have moved in my life probably 50 times, no exaggeration. And we decided whenever we like buy our home, I, I, I don't want to move again. You know, that feeling of like where you just, you, you're in a rental or you're in like a temporary state and you just don't ever unpack. Like it's like you yes. move in, but then like you don't put things where you want them to be. You don't hang up pictures because it's like, I'm leaving anyway. I needed to eliminate that from my life. So we bought a house that was probably too big that we've grown into and I'm never leaving. They're going to have to remove me with a crane. <laughs> I'm never moving again, ever. <laughs> What's your favorite vacation spot? I love, growing up, I love going to Italy. Um, we say, growing up in Southern Germany, it's really close to get to Italy. Um, we still, my family still has like a trailer on the beach there, <laughs> which sounds nice, weird. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I love it. It's like between like Pisa and Rome in that, that Tuscan, um, Tuscany area. It's, I love it. Love it there. Very, very nice. What's your morning routine? So I get up, I'm a morning person. I like to get up early. I used to do the, have you ever been on one of those 5am calls? Do you ever do that? Like the no. 5am call? I am not, I am not the 5am person. <laughs> gotcha. Well, because I, I'm up at 2am. So yeah. I don't do, I, I don't burn the candle on both ends if I can help it. Yeah, I feel you. Well, and I think in real estate, you kind of have to be a night owl because that's when people do their personal stuff you know like people yeah yeah clients like texting clients at 10 a.m is not weird in real estate at all no actually no 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 so yeah so you you wake up early you do yeah sorry this you lightning round is long-winded I'm sorry <laughs> yeah so no, I wake up okay. early. um it, the reason I do that is because I I don't have so in real estate you most of the time the dinner hour is when clients really need your attention as a realtor because that's when they're done with their work for the day so they're doing right. their personal stuff so my family had like I with my kids I have family breakfast I do breakfast and I do the morning routine with my kids which is really important to me because I know that I usually can't give them the dinner hour so I get up and get um, my stuff going in the morning early and then my kids wake up and then I spend time with them in the morning what do you consider your biggest failure and best success my biggest failure is probably working with good friends um, and not being now I'm fairly aggressive about telling my good friends that like I'll refer them to the, I'll refer them to an agent on my team um, because I, I don't like 
mixing business and pleasure. Like, I think it's such a weird look when you're at like a kid's birthday party, for example, and you're there genuinely just because you're there. And then someone asks you a real estate question. And then one thing leads to another. And I, I always feel like it's a weird look when I'm talking about real estate among my, because it real realtors are known for constantly pitching themselves. Right. And I just, it's a weird thing for me and I don't. And so I, I've made some mistakes early with, um, you know, working with friends and then things just going sideways. Um, and then biggest success. Oh, that's a hard one. That's a hard one. Cause I'm so hard on myself. Like I don't think anything that I've done has been a success. Like it's going to be this, like, it's going to be, it's going to be this year. It's going to be mastering COVID and doing $120 million worth of business. Yeah. That's yes. And, that. and having a baby and preparing for a hurricane by yourself because yes. like who else could do that beside you? So. Yeah. Yes. Um, Last question. What do you have any aspirational goals? Yeah, I do. I want to uh, create like a, a training program on, I, I want to create like a formal, an actual formal training program on, on all the things that I do for new agents. I've trained at this point, probably 30 agents um, who have gone on to have successful real estate careers. So I want to really formalize that in a way that, um, that I can give to others, you know, maybe as a, um, I don't want to, you know, make any money off it or anything, but, um, but just create a, a formal structure. <laughs> and that's also like an aspirate, like basically get organized with my training stuff because I do so, so much of it on the fly. Um, yeah. That's good. So finally, where can people connect with you? Give us your social media handles. If somebody wants to reach out to you after they hear the podcast, what's the best way for them to find you? So our website is MeyerLucas.com and my social media handles on Instagram are Holly Woe with two A's and then um, Meyer.Lucas.team underscore Jupiter. We had to change that because of Freck. Uh, still not into yeah. it, the handle. Still don't yeah. like it. We'll figure it out. Um, and then on Facebook backslash uh, Meyer Lucas group. Thank you. And thank you so much, Holly. This has been so much fun. I feel like, you know, I've also gotten to catch up with you a bit. So I hope I know. Our, I forgot we were our, like recording. Our, right. our, 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 our listeners will be patient that we had to catch up to. But congratulations on your wonderful success. And thank you again for joining us today. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. This was so fun. This episode of From the Ground Up was sponsored by Feather the Nest the crowdfunding source for all of your real estate needs. Why register for silverware when you can start your way to owning or renting your own home? Please sign up for your nest at www.featherthenest.com. A special thanks to my extraordinary producer, Sohail Fazludin, who has made this podcast possible. <music>